Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now at Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming, and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply, in-store only, and 623.18. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Silted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Boucher. And welcome to the Tilted Ice Podcast, powered by Forever Blue Shirts. As always, I'm Russell Hartman, and joining me shortly will be Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief Zach Chigger, as he will be my co-host this week once again. The Stanley Cup playoffs have ended, and we have a brand new champion in the Washington Capitals. Their first Stanley Cup franchise, uh, their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. Uh, 44 years Capitals fans waited, so congratulations to them. Uh, it was a spectacular playoffs. Even though we, our boys weren't in it, we missed the blue shirts in the playoffs, but there was a lot of action, great matchups, and I want to extend a congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights as well. Uh, most successful expansion team in the history of the four major sports. Uh, no one could have predicted that they would make the Stanley Cup final. No one predicted they would make the playoffs, and some reporters didn't even think they'd win 10 games by Christmas. So a ground achievement for the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm sure they'll be back there eventually. But, uh, you know, congratulations to them. They had a great run. Uh, the Capitals, too, all the congratulations. You know, they're our rivals. A lot of us aren't fans of them, but you have to admit, Ovechkin got the monkey off his back. He delivered a championship to that city. He did what he said he was going to do. Never requested a trade, never went anywhere else, stuck with it, was loyal to the Washington Capitals, and uh, they finally got one. Uh, so let's welcome in Zach. What's up, Zach? How you doing, bud? Good, Russ. How are you? Good. I'm just talking about uh, – I was congratulating the Golden Knights, actually, on a marvelous run. They didn't win, but, you know, unprecedented what a expansion team did in year one. Oh, absolutely. You know, if there was ever a year where – uh, the Jack Adams Trophy for best head coach and the and the uh, the front office executive of the year uh, award was ever obvious. It would be this year. Uh, George McPhee um, and Gerard Gallant did a fantastic job with uh, the with the crop of guys that they had out in Vegas. And 
it probably will never be a feat that will be replicated again. The Seattle GM job looks a lot more scary now. The expectations are sky high for that franchise now. So, Golden Knights, congratulations to you one last time. Great run. And, uh, you know, Zach, we're going to be talking with our first guest about this in a little bit, but, man, Alex Ovechkin doesn't look like he is ever going to let go of that Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I hope he knows that he has to share it for at least one day with all of his teammates. Um, <laughs> I mean, there were pictures going around. He kicked it. He, and, I mean, I've been joking, but he kicked his wife out of bed so he could <laughs> take a picture with the cup. Um, look, it's what happens when you're one of the best players of all time and it took you 13, what was it, 13 years almost to win yeah. the Stanley Cup. So look, it it I I just hope they there's enough alcohol in in DC because it doesn't look like these guys are stopping anytime soon. For those who haven't seen the pictures or videos, Alex Ovechkin has literally not let go of the Stanley Cup since winning it uh, this past week. He was at a Tiesto show in a club in the MGM in Vegas. He was at a Washington Nationals game where he was lifting the cup above his head between innings, doing keg stands out of the cup with Nationals fans, swimming in fountains, sleeping with the cup. The guy is just embracing, you know, finally getting a monkey off his back. And, look, I I highly suggest if you guys haven't seen the clips or the pictures, please look it up. This guy is – he's just – he's going crazy, man. I mean, good on him. He's just really taking it all in. Uh, You know, like Zach said, one of the best players of all time, uh, I've been telling people if this guy played in the 80s, we could be looking at our first 1,000 goal scorer. He's that good in an era where people just don't score at will anymore. The guy is a 600 goal scorer, going to hit 700 probably within the next two, three seasons. And 800? Maybe. Gretzky? I don't know. But it's possible. Ovi's a crazy good player. Uh, so it's good to see the guy finally get over the hump. And we're going to talk about Ovi a little more with uh, Mike when he joins us in a little bit. But back to the Rangers. Some news, some news. The draft is very soon. In fact, we can finally say the draft is next week since it's a Sunday night. And speculation is rampant about whether the Rangers will trade up to get a higher pick or if they will stay put or if they'll use all three picks. So, Zach, what do you think? At this moment in time, do the Rangers use all three first-round picks? Do they trade up? What do you what do you feel right now is going to happen at Rangers Town before the draft? So I I think that they they should definitely entertain trading picks. I wouldn't trade all of them. Look, you're not barring some miracle trade. You're not getting into the top three, and we're we're actually gonna have a piece about that tomorrow uh, on the site from Kevin from our good friend Kevin. Um, <laughs> So, look, they're going to get a top talent in, with the number nine pick. Um, you know, we we posted, you know, the various mock drafts that, that we've seen. Uh, Evan Bouchard, Oliver Wallstrom, um, a couple other guys who escaped me right now. But for me, it's really going to come down to what they do with the later picks. Um, Keandre Miller looks like he could be a real good player. That's my uh, pick, he, man. That is, that is if, my pick for if, one of those bottom two. Right, but you know, a lot of uh, I I was reading the hockey news over the weekend, and they have him going earlier to Chicago, I believe. Um, there's a guy. Uh, I gotta find it here. There's a guy from the USHL, Sam Baranta. There's a guy. 
There's Akil Thomas from Niagara in the OHL who had 81 points this year. Mm-hmm. So they have they have options, and then don't forget they also have um, two picks in the second round and two in the third round. So the Rangers have, I believe that's right. They have yeah. they have plenty of assets to deal. The question for me for Jeff Gordon will be. You're not getting into the top three, so do you mortgage away your second and third round picks to get a higher, to get a second middle, uh, to get another, you know, first round pick either this year or next year? I don't think it's going to happen, even if they get, let's say, 26 and whoever's at 27, the Rangers trade with them, and the Rangers get 26, 27, 28. Um, But even if that I don't see that happening, but even if it does, the draft is going to be uh, good for the Rangers this year. There's a lot of good young talent in the draft, especially in the first round. Um, And then as we go on, it's more about finding the diamonds in the rough, the guys who slipped through the cracks like Henrik Lundqvist did all those years ago. Oh, yeah. And... It's good that they picked this draft to rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it, because like you said, it's very deep. There's a lot of talent. Uh, Top three would be very, very hard to acquire, and we'd be looking at a loss of at least one or two of our first-round picks and someone like Zibanejad or Zuccarello in the process, and that might not even get it done at that point. So I don't think uh, trading up into that echelon is possible. But I like what you're saying about getting a pick like 27 or getting a pick maybe in the late teens. Uh, It's definitely possible. Uh, depending on the team we trade with and what they want and if we have it. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely it's it's definitely something that could happen. Personally, I do think that come draft day we get all three. Uh, I don't see a trade myself. Uh, I don't because I just think the prices are going to be way too high in a draft like this. Um, at nine, I would love if Oliver Wallstrom was still there. Uh, I know a lot of people. Quinn Hughes is high on people's lists. Uh, Joel Farabee as well, high on some people's list. Same with Noah Dobson from Acadie Bathurst. But I really, I think Oliver Wallstrom is what this team needs. And basically, for those that don't know, that's essentially uh, another Chris Kreider. I'll bet a little slower, but with a little better shot. So I think that would be fantastic to add to this team. At 26 or 28, I told Zach this before, Keandre Miller is definitely my pick. Converted forward amazing USHL player. The guy has a sky-high potential. would be great to have on the blue line. And at 28, someone like Dominic Bach would be really cool. Maybe take a chance on someone like Rasmus Kupari or even um, someone like uh, – what's his name? I'm forgetting. Uh, what's his name? God. Uh, Benoit Olivier Gruel. So there's a lot of options, and, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what we want to do. Zach, do you have a few guys in mind that you would like? Um, I, I haven't really gone too deep into the draft prospects aren't really, um, you know, my, my bread and butter when it comes to, to this stuff, but, um, you have to like what you've seen from Oliver Wallstrom, just the scanning reports. Um, for those who are old enough to remember listening, uh, he was the kid that did the, um, the spinorama in the shootout when he was a little kid at the Bruins arena, um, find it on YouTube. It's, it's a great clip. Um, but he looks really good. 
uh, all the defensemen that we've seen so far, Evan Bouchard, Quinn Hughes, uh, Noah Dobson, they all look really good. The only player that I'm kind of interested in seeing if he drops, even though I don't think he will, is uh, Zadina. I don't see yeah. him dropping. I don't see him dropping. I see him going top three, top five, the latest. Um, but if by some miracle he falls to the Rangers, that would be an excellent get to put alongside Filipino. Those two played extremely well together um, in the World Juniors in January and December, um, leading the, the Czech team. Um, and in terms of the later rounds, it's really just drafting for for development. Um, um, Merkley, what's his first name? Um, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan Merkley yeah, looks... That's a wild card. Uh, yeah, so Ryan Merkley is, uh, looks okay. Um, there are a few other guys who I don't have their names off the top of my head. Um, but... This is, again, this is about finding those prospects that you think can be, with proper development, can be impact players uh, in the next two or three years. So you're not exactly. drafting not drafting this year. There's no, there's no, you know, John Tavares, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid in the cards for the Rangers. At the at the number nine or number twenty six pick, so it's it's really about just finding the guys who you think can help the team in the long run, um, exactly. and we'll see and we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see. Yeah, here's, and we will also have another episode after the draft where we will do our best to get the draft analyst, Mr. Steve Cornianos, back to talk to you guys about whatever the Rangers end up doing. And now. The Tilted Eyes podcast welcomes back from the Experience Hockey Talk, Mr. Michael Lindenbaum. Mike, welcome back to the show. How does it feel that your Washington Capitals are now the Stanley Cup champions? Uh, first off, thanks for having me back. And secondly, it feels pretty good. I was actually, um, uh, just to throw it out there, uh, so you remember seeing that sea of mass of people outside the uh, Capital One Arena for that, for Game 5? Mm-hmm. I was amongst those people (laughs) and you know me, I don't drink, but I was covered in beer regardless after the game was there. Actually when Eller scored uh, the game winner, that's when the beer started flying all over the place. So (laughs) definitely, uh, definitely really cool. Um, especially the experience, something like that, you know, to be amongst uh, a whole bunch of other fans to, uh, you know, see the caps win it. It's, it's been a, been interesting and and i will be at the parade on tuesday so that'll be a fun thing to experience as well oh yeah and i mean the game five was an awesome game to watch i mean three three that devante smith pelly goal was awesome flying across the crease and then you have lars eller bury it the first uh player from denmark to win the stanley cup apparently they were watching it in the movie theater in denmark is what i heard them say on the broadcast which was really cool um and of course alex ovechkin i have never seen such emotion from someone getting the Stanley Cup. It was it was absolutely incredible to see this man. Like, all the demons were slain off his back. This dude looked like he was ready to just party. And it seems like Ovi has not stopped partying since earlier this week. I, I, I think he still is partying. He's probably on hour number 200 of – I don't know. I'm just throwing out a random number. But, um, <laughs> but no, actually, um, 
you know, I was thinking about this and um, my good friend, Ted Starkey, who covers like the Islanders and the Capitals and he writes for like Newsday and stuff. He, um, he put out a tweet today saying that this is really the first time we've seen a team celebrate the Stanley cup the way they have with the fans uh, since the 94 Rangers. And you mentioned the excitement and the emotion that Alex Ovechkin put out. I, I, you know, I greatly remember when Mark Messier got the cup for the Rangers in 94, like the elation that was on his face uh, when he got the cup from Batman. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, you really kind of see a lot of guys subdued more, more often when they get the cup on TV, but now you have Ovechkin and his personality taken over and it's just, a very interesting uh, social media follow right now on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably been the best part because I saw someone tweeted today. Also, I forget which which report it was here in New York, but someone said, "If thank God they didn't have social media back in the '90s, because it would have been uh, all heck would have broken loose." But uh, back back to the Capitals. Um, so you saw a lot of guys step up who you wouldn't normally, you know, consider to be the, the clutch guys. Uh, Obviously DSP, Tom Wilson had a great playoffs. Um, Both of those guys are free agents, uh, restricted restricted free agents. And I believe Devante Smith Pelly is uh, arbitration eligible. And I believe Tom Wilson is not. Okay. So, but, so those two guys, well, Wilson, they're going to bring back. But you got Alex Chason and Jay Beagle up front. Now, Beagle is older. Um, cool stat that he he's won uh, ECHL, AHL, and now the Stanley Cup uh, trophies. But what do you do with those guys? Because I don't remember Chason doing much in the playoffs. Beagle's just that steady bottom six forward that you know what you're getting every night. So I'm, I'm going to start with Wilson, work my way down the chase on. Uh, so Wilson, yeah, they're going to re-sign him. I can see him getting maybe, you know, a good maybe three- to five-year deal, which he, he should get um, on that one. Uh, then going on the Devontae Smith-Pelly, you got to keep in mind, the guy had seven goals in the regular season and then had seven big goals in the playoffs. You don't want to overpay for him, but he's definitely a guy that, should come back to Washington at the right price and for maybe the right amount of years. I would say maybe no more than three years. If you do two years, maybe say no more than 1.5 mil, you know, for the duration of the entire contract. Um, Alex Chason, he actually did have a good playoffs. Um, If you remember, actually, in game six against Pittsburgh, he was actually the one who scored the first goal for the Capitals, even though it went into a 1-1 tie going into overtime that Kuznetsov won. Uh, Chase Song was the one who got the Capitals on the board for that one. Um, And he he did more of the little things that were right. He didn't play a lot in the playoffs either, especially when, you know, Backstrom became healthy again and stuff like that. Um, Chase Song, you know, Maybe you can let him walk, or maybe you can give him another one-year contract at the league minimum. Uh, you you got to see. Um, and then for Jay Beagle, that's the tough one because you have a young kid in uh, Chandler Stevenson uh, who can easily become the new fourth-line center. 
that can also play second-line wing with Backstrom and Oshie. And, but you also have these young kids like Nathan Walker and Shane Gersich and Riley Barber who are in the pipeline for the Washington Capitals who you want to give an opportunity to. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Chason doesn't come back because of that reason and Jay Beagle doesn't come back for that reason. But at the same time, it's also very premature to try to look into that stuff right now, especially the fact that everyone kind of knows that Philip Grubauer will most likely get traded during the offseason, most likely at the draft. And you got to see what's going to happen with John Carlson too. So it, it's a little premature right now. Um, I, and from what uh, I was just reading Elliot Freeman's uh, 31 thoughts uh, today before coming on. And the one thing, and, and it comes up to Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz is a free agent after July 1. And, you know, it, it sounds like there's not going to be any contract negotiations until at least after Tuesday, which is when the parade is happening. So we may have a better idea sometime after Tuesday about what may happen with certain guys who are going to hit free agency, whether restricted or unrestricted. Now, Mike, in your gut, do you think that John Carlson is wearing a Washington Capitals jersey next season? I don't want to go to my default uh, uh, answer when everyone asks me if the Cavs are going to win games in the playoffs, but you know, but I got to go to it. And the answer to that is, we'll see. Would I like him to stay in a Cavs uniform? Yeah. Um, but you also got to put into a couple factors. Now that he has a Stanley Cup, what's he going to be looking for? Is he going to be wanting to look for stability for not just him as a player, but for his family? who has been established here in the D.C. area, or is he going to look for money? So if he's going to look for the money, I see him potentially not being in a Washington Capitals uniform, but if he's going to be looking for the stability for him and his family, I can see him you know, maybe working something out to remain a Washington Capitol. So it, it really depends on you know, what John Carlson wants, and especially now that he has a cup, you know, if he didn't win the different perspective on things, but now that he's won a cup, it changes the perspective yet again of what he may be thinking in regards to what he would want to do as a free agent or if he wants to hit free agency. So, so, uh, so, so next for me would be um, just sticking with, with the off season here. Uh, So the cats obviously have the last pick in the first round. Which I don't um, even think they have the pick. Oh, they don't. I, I don't. I have. I, I don't think they do. I think it was part of one of those trades that they did. Uh, oh, so I, I so yeah. oh, here I have it here. Yeah, they don't. They they do I think have. They a pick first in the round. second round or the second or third round. No, so I'm on cap friendly now. They have a first and they have okay. Florida's second, but not their own. So yeah, so, yeah, because they traded their own second away for the Kevin in the I believe in the Kevin Shattenkirk trade. Okay, so so we were talking about this before you came on for the Rangers perspective. Rangers with two picks in the in the last five of the first round. So who are you looking at for the Capitals um with that late first round pick? Honestly, I haven't really looked at anything draft wise. Um I've been, you know, we're, we we've been just kind of riding this wave with the Stanley Cup and uh, you know, if they weren't in the finals, um, I probably would have had taken a quicker look at, or at least some type of look, but I honestly haven't looked at it. But one thing to keep in mind is that 
there's a quite a few teams out there. The Islanders are one of them. Carolina is another one. And there's a few others that are looking for goaltenders. And you know Philip Grubauer is going to get traded. So maybe the Caps, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, Philip Grubauer could get, is most likely going to get dealt at the draft. And if he gets dealt at the draft, I could see the Capitals picking up an earlier first-round pick. And that's where maybe a guy, you know, if he's still available, like a Brady Kachuk, may be available. And But you also got to take a look at, you know, what's available because my dad, who loves looking at the stuff for drafts, he was saying that once you get around the 13th, 14th pick in this draft, you know, it's going to kind of drop a little bit from who the top guys are to who else is out there. So you got to, so it becomes kind of like, okay, you have your list, you know, who's, who's available and what, what do you want to fill? What, where in your organization do you want to draft at? You know, you want to go for a goalie? Do you want to go for a defenseman? Do you want to go for a forward? So it's like, you got to see what, you know, they're doing, but honestly me, I haven't looked at it. Um, I know with TXHT, we're about to film or, uh, or do our season uh, finale soon. So we're not even going to cover the draft on our end of things. So that's another reason probably why I haven't looked at it. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's something, honestly, I haven't really thought about because, you know, the Caps won the Cup. And, and, and Russell, you know this for a fact. You know how long I've been uh, kind of pushing – myself on the show and how much I need a break at the same time, because I'm essentially a one man operation over here on TXHT. So. Yeah. And here's hoping that you will get those credentials that you deserve, hopefully within the next. Oh, I, oh we already know I ain't getting the credentials, but we are going to be doing, um, we're doing the season finale sometime this week. We may actually film it at the parade on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. But, um, I can tell you right now, um, some of the big changes that are going to happen, and I'll say it again on my show, but we're moving the show from Saturdays at 11 a.m. to Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Okay. That's the number one change that we're making. Um, over the summer, I'm also going to be working on getting new technology so that way we can simulcast not just on Twitch but also on Facebook at the same time. And I've been doing I'm, I've been doing research off and on for that, but now that it's going to be we're going into our off season, I can really take the time to really research this stuff and actually do test runs. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we're working on is, and when I say we, I do have a couple people who do help me with certain little things. We're going to uh, open up a website over the summer, or have it open up in time for September. And on there, I'm already talking to a couple people, and you guys are more than welcome to do it because we just don't cover the caps on my show, and you guys know that. And that we're going to try to bring in a few writers to post up, you know, a couple blogs here or there on the website so we have more than just the TXHT show. Great. So It's all good news. We're, so, so, yeah, if you want to do a Rangers blog or article every once in a while on TXHT, you guys are more than welcome to do it. You know, I'm talking to one guy, and I just told him, it's like, I know you're a Canucks fan. You don't like writing about the Canucks, but it wouldn't hurt to have. And, you know, I'm a big supporter of the NWHL. We're actually credentialed by the NWHL. You know, I'm going to try to see what I can do about maybe getting a few NWHL writers as well to uh, get them on, you know, put that on the, the TXHT site once we open it up because 
we can't rely we can't utilize Patreon as an actual website. It just doesn't yeah, work that way. It work. So and, and we knew that going into it, but it gave us something to at least work with with this season because we had to go through a transition faster than we wanted to go into. So. Right. So you mentioned Grubauer <laughs> possibly getting traded. Now, if oh, I'm it's not a possibility. It, it, it's not a possibility. The writing is on the freaking wall on, on wall. this one. You got now. Yeah, you got because keep in mind you have Phoenix Copley and Hershey, who's essentially the third string goaltender for the Caps. You got Vitek Vanasek. You got Ilya Samsonov coming over next season. That's so, exactly you know, who and, I was going to ask about. And, and the Capitals do so well in drafting goaltenders. It would be nice to keep Grubauer, who is also a restricted free agent. But at the same time, you know, you got Samsonov coming over from the KHL, and he, yeah, he needs seasoning, and he'll probably most likely be in Hershey for maybe a year or two. And I could see the Capitals going out and maybe signing a backup goaltender for Holpe for a year or two until Samsonov is ready to come up. But no, I, I think the writing is on the wall. Phil Grubauer will will get traded at the at the uh, the draft. I don't think I would be very surprised. Just like how I will yet again, I was very surprised when uh, uh, Vegas didn't select him in the uh, in the expansion draft, like we all thought they were going to do. So, it would, but it would be a surprise if he uh, if he's still a Washington Capital going in the training camp. So, it was a good segue from you. Speaking of Braden Holpe, so he. He's got two years left on his deal. He'll be 30 at the end of his deal. He's at $6.1 million now. Um, what kind of contract would you look for him should he sign an extension um, going forward? Because obviously, you know, once he hits a certain age, his contract, you know, either he starts to go down and play or, or and his contract becomes dead weight or – he maintains his level of play, but it, it handicaps the team financially. Honestly, it's two years away, so I'm not even thinking about it. But the key factor is is going to be, like I just mentioned, the Caps draft really well in goaltending. So what happens with in those two years with Ilya Samsonov? Does he eventually surpass Braden Holpe? You know, there's way too many questions in regards to that, especially when somebody has two years left on their contract. Like, obviously, a lot of people had questions about Holpe going into this season's postseason, which ended up being really good fuel for him going once he uh, got into game two against the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. So it's, in my opinion, it's just too early to call uh, or tell because, it's two years away. So it's those type of things I really don't look into because I don't, it's not that I don't care about that type of situation, but it's, it's so far out and you don't know what's going to happen from a year to year basis. You can't really judge it. I mean, we could have something where he just maintains it kind of like how Cam Ward or Henrik Lundqvist have with their respective franchises. One of which being yours, gentlemen, um, you, and they just maintain it, and that's fine. But at the same time, you know, it, anything can happen, and it, it's just too—it's too hard to call. I mean, it's like people—it's like when T.J. Oshie signed that eight-year contract. Everyone was going, "Oh, that's a bad contract." It's like actually, he took less money than what he probably should have gotten. And two, when the next CBA happens, he's a guy who you can also potentially buy out with a compliance buyout. 
because of how long it would be with that contract or where you would get by the time you get to that contract and stuff like that. So you got those weird factors. And and I love it how like Brooks Orpik now has a year left in his contract. And everyone here in D.C. for the last few years has been saying how horrible of a player he is and that they should trade him or buy him out. But he's also the reason he, that we just got the Stanley Cup here in D.C. So it's like he's got one year left. So everyone's going to probably be kissing Brooks Orpik uh, behind now because of that fact. <laughs> but at the same time, he's got one year left on his contract. He's going to be, I believe, like 38 years old at that time. So I, odds are you're probably not going to re-sign Brooks Orpik at the end of his deal. So it's like yeah. certain ones you can tell what's going to happen, like a Brooks Orpik, but other ones you can't tell, like a Braden Holpe. So it's 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 weird, man. I it, it's why I don't try to get too much into the, uh, the the breakdowns of contracts and stuff like that. It's also why I don't look at analytics at all either. Yeah. So just like the Capitals. The Rangers will have a lot of decisions they have to make as well in the offseason. Offseason is always a crazy time, and well, it's a lot easier when they're the Stanley Cup champions. So, once again, before we let you go, Mike, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on your Washington Capitals winning the Stanley Cup. Thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, you can um, stay tuned to the Twitter, which these guys have been plugging. Thanks for that, guys. Uh, it's at TXHT underscore hockey. Um, I do more tweets than I do Facebook, so uh, – Keep an eye on that. We'll let you know when we're doing our season finale. It will be this week. Might be at the parade on Tuesday. It might be a day or two after. I haven't, you know, I got to, I'm still working out a few kinks with a couple people to try to get them on so we can have a, a more coherent episode of just me talking to a camera. So, but uh, thanks guys. Um, and uh, first off, I did not win the Stanley Cup. They did let them get the credit for that, but uh, it does feel good. So, thanks, guys. See you soon, bud. Thanks for coming on. Take care, Mike. All right. Th- thanks, guys. So, before we get to our next host, I am going to actually let Zach tell you guys a tiny bit about her. Her name is Michelle Storino. She'll be joining us in just a few minutes, and she is the one of the radio hosts on uh, NHL Network Radio on uh, Sirius XM. So, Zach, do you want to give the listeners just a little bit of background on her? I can try my best. Uh, so, Michelle, um, I believe, is one of the only female hosts on uh, Sirius NHL Radio. Um, she's been – that's pretty much all I know about her. <laughs> we'll have to find Oop. out more when she comes on. But uh, – you know, again, as as we've had earlier um, in the podcast, we love hearing from different perspectives on the game. And we've had NWHL uh, player Rebecca Russo on. We had uh, some NHL enforcers on. We had some Rangers writers on. So now we're going to get, you know, the the overall NHL look. Um, and from a from a different perspective than uh, than we're used to. So. Should be interesting. Uh, as soon as she comes on, I'll let her uh, tell us her story. But, Russ, I actually have a question for you. Oh, go ahead. Um, so so we look at we look at the Rangers going into next season. 
So you have a bunch of these uh, 13th forward type guys, Paul Carey, and uh, I have to pull up the team depth chart here because I've been so out of the Rangers now for the last couple months because they missed the playoffs. You got Paul Carey, you have um, you have Valeski who's in the minors, you have Peter Holland who has a year left, you have uh, Bunievez is in the minors, you have all these guys who, if needed, could be called up or could make the opening night lineup, but there's no reason to bring back all of them or, or to just sign them for bridge deals just to keep them around. So how would you go and look to make the most of those assets? Okay, well, I don't think Paul Carey comes back. Uh, I'm not too sure about Peter Holland. I'm not sure what his contract situation is, but uh, if his contract is over, I don't think he'll be back either. Peter um, Holland is on his last year of his deal. Last year, okay. Um, I think Booney Eves gets a full – time job with the club next season. I think he will perform what from what we saw in his fourth line role this season, he was actually pretty solid. So I think that the Rangers could open next season. It'll be kind of shocking and it's going to be a very big change from normal, but with the only full-time NHL guy as Mika Zibanejad manning the top line, and you could have three rookies following him down the middle uh, in Filipito, Leah Sanderson and uh, Cristobal Nieves. So I think out of all those guys, he's the one that's just kind of a lock for a full time. Um, Paul Carey, I don't like Paul Carey, Peter Holland. These guys are like a journeyman. Like you can get kind of low round picks for them maybe, or maybe another low level prospect. Um, if I was Jeff Gordon, I would kind of see if I could keep them in Hartford. Um, mentor some of the young kids, keep uh, Hartford improving. You want them, you want our prospects, you don't want them to just be losing all the time when they're down in the AHL. You want them to have some kind of winning uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, culture. culture. You want to have some kind of winning culture down. You want to have it started from early on. You don't want them to have a losing culture in the AHL because it just doesn't work and it doesn't help with their development. So uh, I think I would try to keep them around because I don't necessarily think that the assets that we'd get back to them would be, you know, it, it wouldn't be anything spectacular. So uh, I definitely think Bunieves would have a full-time shot with the club, uh, next season does he make the opening night roster i mean yeah i think that there's a shot that he could make the opening night roster um i also think that there's a shot that we see whoever we pick at nine making the making the opening night roster um now well is that a stretch sure because if it's someone like oliver wallstrom you know he's probably going to go to the college he's committed to if it's quinn hughes i'm sure he's going to stay in michigan for another another season uh you know somehow uh they 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 trade up and it's someone like Brady Kachuk you know you don't know he could make the jump uh, I mean we have his coach now David Quinn coached Brady Kachuk last season in Boston at Boston University uh you know it depends really what happens at nine because if it's someone with a lot of potential uh you know someone maybe if they reach and they take someone like Esperica Keniemi or if you get, you reach and you take someone like Rasmus Kupari, there's a chance that one of these young, skilled kids could get into the lineup. You know, we always we hear Evan Bouchard's name a lot, and a lot of analysts say he's the most NHL-ready of the defensemen. If the Rangers don't want to pass up on his booming shot and his physical play, 
I don't see why he couldn't play bottom pair, maybe even second pair next season with how, I mean, sure, he's young. And sure, I think he's, you know, he's, he wouldn't, he definitely makes some mistakes right off the bat. But to have a kid like that in your lineup with so much potential, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Um, so it definitely so, wouldn't so hurt. Pick, so to piggyback off that, when we say Evan Bouchard, he's a right-handed defenseman. The Rangers now have Shannon Kirk, Pionk, D'Angelo, Kampfer, Sproul on the right side in the depth chart, so to speak. Um, and then on the left, on the left-handed defenseman, you have Stahl, um, and I'm looking at it now: Stahl, O'Gara, Gilmore, and Shea. So Shea and Stahl, Shattenkirk, are locks. So if they bring in a defenseman at, at nine, and you're saying uh, Bouchard, so what do what do we do? Pionk showed enough last year that he earned the spot. D'Angelo. I still see him right now as a seventh defenseman. He yeah, hasn't I done enough. He hasn't done enough for me to to be in the lineup. John Gilmore was very solid. Um, if he can play his offside, then maybe that's an option. But then you mm-hmm. still have Zell Camper, who's still um, a seventh or eighth defenseman. Sproul is still a seventh or eighth defenseman. Um, O'Gara could still use some seasoning in the minors. Um, and you also still have Brendan Smith and his uh, $3.5 million um, wasting away in Hartford. So the Rangers' defense next year, as much as they have youth, they have a lot of uh, – it's it's a lot of uh, interesting decisions they have to make. Because aside, oh, yeah. aside from Shankirk and Stahl, if Smith isn't up here – their whole defense will be 25 years or younger. You know, like I said, we're going through a retool. Our defense will be the biggest question mark going forward into the next season. Um, I think your default top pair next season is Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, It's crazy to say, um, but, you know, who would have predicted that would be our most veteran pair a year ago, but, that's what we're going into next season with Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk as our top two D-men. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk will be 100% healthy after sustaining injury in training camp last season and trying to play through it. Uh, Brady Shea, he had a rough season. I've seen some people calling for him to be traded. Please, that is not the answer. Um, Brady Shea is a spectacular defenseman. I think he's going to grow into a really, really good player, and it would be a mistake to get rid of him just because of one off season. I uh, remember defensemen have a bigger learning curve in the league than forwards do. They have a lot more responsibility. Uh, give Brady Shea some time. I think he's going to be a really, really good defenseman. If he's not a 1-2, he will definitely be a 3-4 in this league. Um, you're looking at Neil Pionk. It will definitely be up. The kid showed a lot of poise um, just from preseason and all the way up into his call-up. He improved in the AHL, and, you know, he he definitely deserves to have every shot at uh, this team. Uh, John Gilmore, like Zach said, is offside. Um, I think he deserves every shot. And if someone like Quinn Hughes, uh, someone like Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson, if they really want to make the jump, because remember, they're young where it would be. They'd have to go back to juniors or stay in the NHL. Uh, you know, they they will definitely get a shot. And uh, we will jump back to this topic in a little bit. And uh, right now I would like to welcome from NHL Network Radio, I'm Michelle Storino to the Tilted Eyes podcast. Michelle, how are you? 
Hi, good, thank you. How are you? Great, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. So, Michelle, you, I actually had a very interesting question for you when I was reading on an interview you did a little while ago. You were a reporter for, um, uh, for the Brampton Battalion, correct? Yes. So, junior hockey. We talk a lot about prospects here on the show. We talk a lot about the, those kinds of leagues. But a lot of our listeners and a lot of our fans don't really, like, know too much about junior hockey and how crazy the scene of junior hockey can be in Canada. So, my question to you is just how much is Canadian major junior, like, how crazy do the fans go for that? How much, like, how are the stadiums, like, how is the vibe about Canadian major junior hockey up there? Okay, um... Well, to be honest, it's more of a, I would say, in terms of the popularity and, I guess, the level of craziness that you want to kind of compare to would be mostly in the smaller towns. So um, I live in the greater Toronto area, so I noticed that a lot of the teams that were, you know, in and around the Toronto area didn't get as much attention because this is a Leaf town. Like, no matter, you know, Toronto is just Leaf City. They don't really care about anything else. Um, and that unfortunately trans also transforms and just um, transpires into uh, junior hockey. But every other, I would say, literally every other market like across Canada um, and across Ontario, really small town. Basically, you can have rinks anywhere from uh, four to nine thousand people just filled um, every single home game, and it does get pretty rowdy. And to be honest, it's a very affordable way to watch really NHLers of the future or even AHLers of the future. You know, you pay $10, $12, and you get to watch a really good hockey game. What people really, I guess, the misconception is, especially with Canadian sports, because you have to understand, like, we don't have the same kind of culture around, like, an NCAA, you know, what, anything NCAA, you know. It's it's not the same kind of um, – I don't know why it just doesn't have the same kind of popularity. So junior hockey kind of um, fills that void per se, especially, like I said, in the small towns and it does get pretty rowdy, like in London where so many, you know, big name NHLers played in Corey Perry, uh, you know, Rick Nash, John Tavares for a really short time as well. They house up to, you know, between nine and 10,000 people per game. And it's always jam packed, like standing room only, and it's a really, really good environment to watch a hockey game. Hey, Michelle. So this is Zach. Thanks again for uh, for answering the messages and, and agreeing to come on. Um, so, so just for me, and I guess for everyone else. Um, so, can you just kind of give us your background, how you got started um, sure. covering hockey, and 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 how you ended up at NHL Network? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I started pretty much in junior hockey um so i did both i did some hosting for both of the teams that were located in the greater toronto area so mississauga now known as the steelheads um back then they they've been the ice dogs and the majors and now they're the steelheads um so i worked for them when they were the steel uh, excuse me when they were the majors um and then i went over to brampton and became uh the full-time host there and got to know a lot of the the players and everybody there. Matt Duchesne was there. Cody Hodgson played there um, as well. And uh, from there, I was on more, I guess, mainstream TV here in the Toronto area. And I did 
um, some sports anchoring for um, a couple news channels, uh, but always had the keen interest and stayed in hockey. Um, I did work for Hockey Prospect, uh, which uh, Mark Edwards owns. It's a prospect um, company and scouting service. So I did some work for him while still, you know, because I really wanted to stay in the hockey scene, right? Um, while doing just, I guess, the sports anchoring on the side. Um, yeah, I worked for Sportsnet as well, um, hosting Sportsnet World. So I was doing more like international sports and stuff at that point as well. And then um, that kind of chapter wrapped up and a friend of mine that I worked with at the Fan 590 like years ago, um, which is, he said to me, he's like, listen, NHL Network, they're always looking for women. I think you should apply there. Um, I know, you know, someone there, just, you know, reach out to him and see what happens. And literally what happened was uh, they invited me to come in. I did a round table for, uh, with Mick Kern and Peter Burris and under review one day, literally. It was like they threw me into the fire, had me on to talk about hockey, and then that was pretty much it. They're like, yeah, you're hired. <laughs> that was like, and so I've been at NHL Network Radio uh, for, I just finished my fifth season there now. So it was kind of like a, a weird transition. You know, I loved being on television and doing web stuff. Um, and I still, you know, really relish those opportunities whenever I do get them. And then, like I said, it was kind of like, oh, it's always about who you know, right? So uh, it was just someone knowing my background, knowing my work and knowing how much uh, I have been in and around the hockey scene for such a long time. And, yeah, it was a stroke of luck, but I guess good timing as well. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. Um, you know, uh, it's to be able to work and doing doing the stuff you love and reporting about the game you love. I can't imagine a better career. So, in your time uh, reporting on hockey, speaking about hockey, uh, what have been some of your, I guess, favorite players interview, and uh, what are some memorable? Uh, things that you have covered that really stick out in your head from your time of covering the game? Ooh. And this can be like just across all hockey. So across it could be the, in like yeah, junior hockey too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the most memorable uh, interviews has to be from junior hockey for me. And um, the then captain of the Brampton Battalion or associate captains, his name was uh, Stephen Thorne. It was his final game, and they got uh, eliminated from the second round of the playoffs. And it, it was his final game, and I was doing the post-game interview with him, and he broke down into tears, like just full-on crying, bawling like a baby. That you know, and saying like, and he had been with the team for his entire junior career, and he also knew he was one of those guys as well that had never been drafted, knew that this was probably the end of his hockey career, or you know, he just didn't know where it was going to take him as well. So there's so many uncertainties for him, on top of the fact of you know finishing your junior hockey career, and then it's you know everything kind of coming up uh, all at once, and just like streams of tears coming down his face. Um, it was such an emotional interview. And, like, you know, how many times do we see uh, hockey players really just try to keep it in all the time and be all the, you know, be so, uh, you know, prim and proper and not really show, you know, that kind of emotion, except for, of course, T.J. Oshie the other night, right? But um, yeah, to me, that yeah. was, a, you know, like it's it was kind of, that's what it reminded me of when I saw that T.J. Oshie interview. I was like, oh, 
it was so hard for me to keep a straight face myself, you know, like, and no, yeah, so that really was a really, speak about yeah, 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 right, and, like, it was the same thing, this young man's, like, professing, you know, his gratitude towards uh, the, you know, the coaching staff and everybody who's that he's ever played with, it was just, like, <laughs> you know, it was, like, heart-wrenching, so that was, um, to me, a pretty cool interview. In terms of, like, personalities in this league I think we don't show them enough um but there's some really funny guys in the NHL oh my gosh there are some really really funny guys and I think a lot of the time too is that they open up a bit more once you talk about the things that they like so um my interview with Ryan Reeves it will always stick out and I've had like a follow-up interview with him where I ask some of the same silly questions and he has to give me like new uh, answers too. So I, I like playing games with a lot of the guys that uh, throughout the season. And um, Patrick Berglund is hilarious too. Of the St. Louis Blues, <laughs> just hilarious. He's got this like really dry wit about him, you know. And like it's very unassuming. You don't really think much. And like how many people actually talk to Patrick Berglund? So, um, but I mean those. I think those two interviews um, really stuck out to me in terms of like just cool personalities in the NHL. So so just to piggyback off of that, you mentioned how guys around hockey are proper and, and, and very respectful of everything around them. So a lot has come out, you know, with the NBA ending uh, this week and, and the Stanley Cup, obviously. Um, the comparisons on, on social media about how Hockey is a Wii sport, and and basketball and some of the other sports are more of a me sport. Um, why right. why do you think that is, and why do you think um, it's so it's so ingrained in hockey players to to not be bigger than the team? It starts from the grassroots, like a hundred percent. Because I mean, you're told from like you know, day one, it's always, it's always a team game. Even when you're doing like drills and say you're doing, you know, like suicides on the ice or whatever, you know, and you're doing lines and stuff. I mean, you're only as good as, you know, the slowest player or whatever, you know, it's just ingrained at a really, really young age. Plus like, think about, I think just the amount of effort that it takes in to get to play hockey right? Like everything's pretty expensive in terms of, you know, getting ice time, the equipment, all that kind of stuff. And then just like the effort that goes into it, you play, you know, how many times a week, plus you practice so many times a week, and it's always at varying times. And you really do need like an entire little village in order to to cooperate in order to play, you know? So it's like, you need your support from your family, and then, you know, your hockey family as well, in order to get everything together and you know it it also stems from too think about how many times oh you know so-and-so is getting a ride from so-and-so's parents and you know what I mean I just feel like there's this family mentality about hockey um, because of just how you play it in general and then of course what they teach you from the grassroots and it's so inclusive of everybody that that's pretty much you know why that happens do I feel that we could still have some individuality in it absolutely I think what PK Subban does and what he's been able to do for the sport has been phenomenal and I think we could really use you know a few more PK Subans it's okay to show that personality and 
to garner a little bit more attention for yourself as long as it never detracts from what you do on the ice with your team. You know, like I just feel like there is a way that there can be that balance and there are only a few players that try to explore that balance. So it's great you say that because I think one of those players that embodies that, especially the last few days, has been Alexander Ovechkin. Um, The guy has not let go of the Stanley Cup since winning it this week. And uh, I know I I was wondering if you had ever had the chance to speak to Ovechkin because the guy seems like he's a ridiculous personality. (laughs) Actually, I haven't had a chance to speak with him too. A couple other people have asked me that since they, (laughs) since they ended up winning and everyone's like loving everything he's doing. Um, They really guard him during the regular season. Right. So what happens is, when you do talk to him, um, especially pregame, which for for me, I like to talk to you know guys at pregame because postgame they're only going to talk about game stuff and they'll end up being in scrums and whatever. And when I want to talk to guys and I want to get that personality out, it's usually in a one-on-one format and you try to do so either like on practice days or whatever. It's just, you know, really tough. So with Ovi as well, what they do is, they always end up scrumming him. And in an area like Toronto, in which there's always, you know, twice as much media, if not three times as much media, um, than anywhere else in the NHL, they even, you know, pretty much put him how they, um, or display him, so to speak, how they do with Barry Trotz, where, you know, they have the banner set up in the hallway and then he stands and, like, 40 people surround him with microphones. That's the only problem with, you know, being in and around Toronto is that, you do always get that influx of media all the time. Um, so, 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 uh, if it's all right with you, Michelle, let's let's pivot back to um, back to the NHL offseason. So, sure. You know, so, so now the draft is coming up in a couple weeks. Um, Rangers are picking at number nine. We've discussed um, on the show Evan Bouchard possibly falling to nine. Um, for the Rangers blue line, who do you see uh, as good options for the Rangers at nine? Oh my, this is super specific for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure, and I would. I'm wondering too. Do they keep all their picks that because they do have that influx of picks coming up? Um, I I don't know because I've been reading just like so many different. Um, lists of how pretty much three to 10 are going to go. And there's just so many different um, avenues. And obviously you can only do what is done before you, I guess. Right. So if guys are actually there at the spots that they should be there at, to be honest, I didn't even know it was going to be this kind of wide open. Cause I don't even, uh, a lot of lists don't even have a guy like Philip Zanina going third. Um, I'm not sure about you guys and what you discussed in terms of that as well. So to me, like I don't even know what prospects are going to go where after three. So I, I don't really want to make mm-hmm. a call either um, with that. So, um, but that's all I'll say about that. What did you? Where did you guys have? Um, I guess your three, four, and five. Because to me, that's really interesting as well. And that's obviously, you know, once you get past like three, four, and five, it's going to get even more interesting because I think it's basically whole bunch of options all together out. Oh yeah. Like that could be, that um, could I go. Mean, personally, right? I think the top three is definitely decided. I think 
Uh, the, I think Rasmus Dahlin and Andre Sovechnikov should just have their jerseys, their respective Buffalo Sabres and Carolina Hurricanes jerseys already. Uh, Montreal is kind of a wild card, but I think they'll ultimately end up picking Phillips Adina with the third pick. Uh, you I know, think so. I've been I've been seeing a lot of people saying Brady Kachuk. A lot of people thinking that yeah. that he's yeah, which would be such a Mark Bergevin move to do. Move, yeah. Um, but see, you know, that's why I think maybe it'll shift because it does totally seem like a Mark Bergevin move to get the bigger guy. But I mean, ultimately, I feel like the scout should be like, "Hey, Mark, Zadina, skill, high end skill, yeah. please." take that in the, in the end. But uh, no, I think that's a totally, it's a, it's something I've seen discussed as well. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely, Zach, what do you perceive? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, look, I, I've kind of been focusing on the Rangers because, um, you know, I'm a Ranger fan, but um, Dalian and Svechnikov obviously won two. I also think they take Zadina if – I hope, Michelle, that you're right and he falls a little bit because uh, Russell and I talked uh, minutes before you came on that if Zadina falls to the Rangers at nine, he already has a relationship with Philip Hedl from playing together at the uh, junior right. tournament. So that would be a great center wing combo of two young guys. Uh, but other than that, I haven't I haven't really given it much thought. Um, there's been talk about um, one of the NHL.com writers. Uh, uh, let see if I can get his name right. Jesperi Kotkaniemi as a potential pick for the Rangers. But um, he was, that was the only place I saw it. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think that for the, for the Rangers, it's going to be more about, like you said, what's available because well, – well, and it's funny that you say that, too, about Yasperi, just because even a guy like Craig Button has him going fifth. Like, it just I was trying to see where everybody has everything. Just I feel like it's truly a toss-up after, like, to me, three and four. Um, I think Zadina should, should go third as well, but I'm just saying I feel like it's a complete toss-up because, like I said, Craig Button had – him going at like five or six, so he wouldn't even make it to nine when the Rangers chose anyway. So I kind of feel like it's a, it's that that's what kind of makes it interesting too is that it's a complete crapshoot, which makes things a, a lot more fun. I think uh, come the twenty third, twenty fourth, or twenty second, twenty third for the draft. Right. So uh, Michelle, you're based in the Toronto area. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, when Austin Matthews was the number one overall pick there. Um, you know, previously, the Maple Leafs were having kind of a rough time about it for a few years. It seemed like they were kind of middle of the road. But with Austin Matthews, it seems there's been this re-energization of the Leafs up there in Toronto. Uh, as someone who sees it firsthand, just how much has Leafs Nation kind of changed the past few years since the acquisition of Austin Matthews? Like, how do you see fans just in the streets or in the, or in the Air Canada Centre? Like, how's the vibe there since that whole thing happened? So the interesting part was that, you know, before the Austin Matthews experiment, I guess you want to call it, or the draft, no one really knew Leaf players. And I know that sounds really weird, but they could walk around and you're thinking to yourself, well, this is supposed to be the hockey mecca, right? Well, literally, these guys would walk around, like even the ACC, in their suit, whatever, and a lot of people don't really rec- wouldn't really recognize some of these players. 
And to me, that kind of spoke volumes because there was no franchise player. It was Mike Babcock was the face of the team. Now it's Austin Matthews, definitely. And that the last few years that you've had, you know, Mitch Marner and William Nylander kind of come to the forefront as well. And then you got kind of like a bigger name in Patrick Marlowe to sign for three years last season. Um, he also kind of comes to the forefront. But I'm telling you, prior to Austin Matthews, I remember, um, just quick story, I remember going to the ACC for a morning skate one day before a game, and then I decided to uh, hit a Starbucks afterwards. And it was uh, pretty much just like right down, like the how the ACC is, it's all enclosed, so you can take the train in there and like you never have to go outside. So it's like tunnels and everything, right? And then so I'm basically still attached to the ACC in one of these tunnels, grabbing myself a Starbucks, and I start talking to uh, one of the athletic trainers for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're chit-chatting, and walk, uh, Brooks like walks by us, waves, hey, Matt, hey, Michelle, how's it going? No one even knew who he was. No one looked twice at Brooks like. And Brooks like, I, I mean, he's been around the league for a very long time, and he's married to an uber celebrity, you know, south of the border and Julianne Hupp. So even if you didn't even like hockey, you could potentially still know who Brooks like is just based off of Julianne Huff and her, you know, massive stardom in terms of, you know, her dancing with the stars and all that kind of stuff. But, and the fact that they're on TMZ and all that kind of uh, media. So that's when it really hit home that, wow, this team really has no face to a franchise. They kind of, all these players are kind of, you know, living the dream of playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs without ever being noticed. It, it was uh, insane. So that's how things have changed um, over the past few years with this uh, influx of young talent. And especially it's, it's because it has also come with success. And that's the major thing is that when the team is winning, there's a buzz. When they're not and they're building or there's nothing, there's people – they pay attention and they're still always going to be there. It's just the buzz isn't uh, there in the city. So, so speaking of the Leafs, um, I'm looking at their, uh, their team chart on cap friendly. So William Nylander is a restricted free agent, um, but the, you, the Leafs have uh, Placanitz, Bozak, Komarov, Moore, Van Riemsdyk, all UFAs. Um, do you see, um, them being brought back um, on team-friendly deals, or, or are they, uh, or are these guys going to test the open market? Well, JVR is definitely not back. He scored career highs and goals this year. He's going to ask for way more money than the Toronto Maple Leafs can afford, especially knowing that they have to sign uh, Marner and Nylander, and then of course they can start to negotiate with Austin Matthews as well come July first. Um, so they're going to want to probably sign Matthews this offseason as well. They don't want to go into the last year of his entry-level deal without having any kind of a security blanket. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard, but it was pretty big news here north of the border that Austin Matthews changed agencies. So he went from, I, th- I believe it was Pat Brisson, to now the Orr Group and Bobby Orr being his agent, who is also the same agent and agency as Connor McDavid. So we know that Austin Matthews is probably switching because he's looking for the same kind of money and length as a Connor McDavid is, you know, and he knows that 
you know, obviously the or, you know, hockey group can kind of give him that leverage, I guess, that they got Connor McDavid, uh, all that money and time um, with the Edmonton Oilers. So having said all of that, James Van Reen's like definitely not back. Dominic Moore probably won't be back unless it's something like insanely cheap. Um, but he was in and out of the lineup all the time last year. The only one that could potentially come back out of all those guys, I mean, they might have to make a tough decision in terms of Nylander and Marner and what they're going to do with those young guys, but they definitely want to keep them both. Um, Bozak could someone could be uh, one of those guys that if he came back on a friendly team deal, it would probably be because maybe he just wants terms, so he'll take less money because he's now, yeah, I think he's 32 or 31. So, you know, the last couple, you know, I could see him taking maybe another three or four year deal to kind of finish off his career and knowing that he's got a good opportunity to do big things in Toronto, but it would have to be at a much, uh, you know, cheaper price than what he previously signed for. Right. And yeah, I, I mean, JVR had a crazy good year and, uh, you know, I definitely agree with you that he's probably the one, one that's going to find another team. So, I mean, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. It was awesome to hear uh, your perspective on things and especially about junior hockey. It's really fascinating to us down here because we really don't have a, anything like even the NCAA doesn't get to those kind of crazy heights sometimes. And you know what? Like in they, it should because uh, it looks. I mean, I've only been to a couple NCAA games and they were phenomenal. And uh, with junior hockey, I mean, I feel like people don't realize how big and fast these young men are. You know, like they're 16, 17, but you know they can play in the league up until they're 20. So you you don't really realize like I think you just pass them off as like oh whatever. But these guys are young are faster, stronger than ever, which is why, you know, think about the demographic of the NHL and how much younger it's gotten over the last, you know, three to five years. There's a direct correlation. So that means your junior hockey, your NCAA hockey is going to be that much better of a product as well um, because these guys are advancing, being faster, stronger, and just more skilled at a younger age. So um, if you ever get a chance, I would say definitely check it out. It won't be a waste of your $10, $12. That's for darn sure. That's awesome. So, yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. We appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. No problem. Have a good night, guys. You too. Have Thanks, a good night. Michelle. So, Zach, two guests today, two different perspectives, someone from Toronto, someone from Washington, two other big markets in uh in the NHL. Uh, I just think it's really interesting that we get people like that on the show to just give people a different perspective uh, once in a while. And I really liked having them both on today. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that Mike kind of toned down his, his rubbing it in that the caps on the cup. Um, but also, you know, and I said this before, um, part of this, of the show when we first started was doing an around the league segment where we would, um, give a more um, wholesome, so to speak, approach to to the NHL and to hockey. So we definitely did that tonight. Um, and you know, part of what makes part of what makes 
uh, a great sport is is the community it builds. Um, you know, obviously we see it in tragedy, as we saw a few months ago, but also, you know, hockey people just always willing to talk the sport. The people who are true hockey fans are 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 passionate about the game and and uh, are always willing to discuss it, no matter what the fan uh, the other person is. Yeah, it's great. Um, so before we go, uh, the draft is in uh, next week. Uh, so we're going to have a good chunk of Rangers news coming up very soon. Uh, if they make any trades, whether it be then or on draft day, we will have it covered for you on Forever Blue Shirts. Uh, it's an exciting time. Um, you know, this retool rebuild that we've been hearing about since February uh, you know, they really got to kick it into high gear. And I, as I wrote in my article this week, uh, they cannot miss. No more of these Bobby Sanguinetti over Claude Giroux picks. No more of these McElraths over the Tarasenko's and the Fowlers. They need to hit. You need to take the guys with potential. Uh, you need to take the guys with the high ceilings. You need to take the guys with the high skill. Uh, as much as it, it is good to have these 200-foot two-way pivots and 200-foot two-way players that like it in the corners, you need the guys who have the high-end skill and the superstar potential. And they're, I mean, I'm not saying that they'll find a super, superstar in this draft, but they need to start getting guys that have higher echelons in them. So uh, in just a few short days, the NHL draft commences on June 22nd in Dallas, Texas, at the American Airlines Arena. And uh, we will see what Rangers brass has decided to do. We will see if all three picks are made. We will see if those, some of those picks are traded, and we will see if anyone else off the roster is gone. Um, exciting times ahead in Rangers Town. I'll let Zach have the last word before we get out today. Yeah, it's uh, it's like we said last time. It's an exciting time to be a Ranger fan. Uh, this is going to be a young team, a fast team, um, a team that's going to enter the quote-unquote new age hockey where it's speed and skill um, over size and and grinding in the corners. Um, and you have now a coach who, who understands this style of play, who's from outside the NHL. Um, and then you're going to have a lot of guys who are, who are, who grew up in the system where the majority of this team is going to be under 26 or 27 years of age. So the only thing now for the Rangers is to develop that talent. Um, Anderson, Hedl, obviously. Uh, we'll see if Kreider steps up this season. We'll see uh, what Zuccarello, what they decide to do with him or what he decides to do um, in the in the coming weeks. But again, this is this is a, an exciting time. Rangers with three draft picks um, in a in a somewhat deep uh, first round talent pool. We'll see what happens, uh, what they do with it. But uh, as always, you can follow us on Forever Blue Shirts. Uh, me at Zach Four B, Russell at Russell Hartman One, uh, mm-hmm. the Tilted Eyes at the Tilted Eyes on Twitter. Uh, the Tilted Ice podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you get those. Uh, when the Rangers start playing games again, 
uh, for BNYR Game Day for all of our live game coverage. And uh, mm-hmm. I am going to start talking. <laughs> so we will be joining you guys after the entry draft. We will try to get Steve back to talk to you guys and analyze the picks that the Rangers decide to take and uh, talk to you about the new prospects within the organization. Um, maybe we'll try to get a uh, big Papa tilt on again, see what his thoughts on the draft are and all of these new uh, bits of NYR news are, including the coach and the new picks we'll have. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll bring him back and see if he wants to talk to the crowd again. So, uh, with that, everyone have a good week. Uh, have a good few weeks. Uh, enjoy, uh, uh, you know, enjoy the entry draft. Let's see what our boys do. And, uh, you know, have a good one. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. You can listen to this episode and more on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. You can also listen to us on Blog Talk Radio as well as SoundCloud. Visit us on foreverblueshirts.com. You can also read us on Yard Barker as well as Apple News. I'm Ryan Burke. I'm the head cider maker at Angry Orchard, and we're in Brittany, France. I wanted to make Angry Orchard Rosé cider out of my love for rosé wine. We came here and found these red-fleshed apples. It's a really rare fruit. The apple brings a right, refreshing, natural taste to the cider and a deep, nice pink rosé hue. Our rosé is a little bit less sweet. It's got a really nice balance for any occasion. It's a really refreshing drink. Angry Orchard Cider Company, welcome to Drink Responsibly. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at, is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. 
Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM, with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.